Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. Turning your Bible to Luke chapter 15. We're talking about sons, not servants. We're talking about sons, not servants. And we talked about the prodigal son who came to his senses in the middle of a pig pen. How many of us have ever found ourselves in the pig pen in situations and circumstances that seek to defile our identity? Let me say that again. We will find ourselves in situations and circumstances that seek to defile our identity. They seek to steal from us who God created us to be. Jeremiah 1 says, Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I'm not on my notes, so don't worry about the slides. Jeremiah 1 says, before I formed you, before I fashioned you, before, before you ever had a form, I knew you. And we will find ourselves in situations and circumstances that seek to steal from us our God's give our God-given birthright and identity. And so the prodigal son, just laying a foundation this morning, finds himself in that place. He's eating from the pig pen. He's eating the corn husks that were meant for an animal. And it says he came to his senses. And he says, I need to go back to my father's house because even his hired help have more than enough. So these corn husks that I've been eating on, this isn't enough. But my father's hired help, those he pays, they've got more than enough. I'll return to him and I'll say to him, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He has this moment where he says, I'm going to lose my identity just so I'll have my needs met. And we have often found ourselves in that place where we lose our identity just to get our needs met. But I want to tell you this morning that God is restoring to you your identity as a son. You were never created to be a servant. You were never created to eat from the pig pen. You were never created for that. You were created to be a son. You were created and formed and fashioned with an identity to walk in an authority. Your righteousness was paid for. We talked about that last week. God gave you a robe that that no one can take away from you. He gave it to you. And today we're going to talk about the ring. The father, when the prodigal son returns, gives him three gifts. He gives him a robe, he gives him a ring, and he gives him some shoes. So Luke 15, 22. This week we're going to talk about the ring. Luke 15, 22. But the father said to his servants, to set the foundation, the son returns. It says, and when he was yet a long way off, he was far away. The father had been actively searching, knowing there would come a day where the son would come down the lane. And he was looking, and when he was a far way off, it says he ran to him, and the, the son has this speech prepared. He's ready to tell him, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father doesn't even let him finish. He says, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, Put it on him. 
put a ring on his hand. And next week we'll talk about the shoes on his feet. And so what I did is I took the robe, the ring, the shoes, and I've gone through Scripture and to see what they, they represent spiritually. And so last week we talked about a few verses about how the robe represented righteousness. Your righteousness was paid for. It's not earned. It's a gift. And that He robes us with righteousness. And this week we're talking about the ring which represents authority. The message this week is the ring of authority. God gives us authority. And again, I want to declare to you and make it clear that it is by grace. It is through faith that God gives us authority. You can't earn this authority. He has already paid for it. It is something He gives you. But we're going to talk about how we can not walk in the authority that He gives us as sons and daughters. So let me show you a couple of scriptures to show you how the ring represents authority in Scripture. Genesis 41, it'll be up there for you. Genesis 41, verses 42 and 43. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck, and he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he gave him, or so he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh gave him the signet ring. It represented authority. With that ring, he could go anywhere and do anything. All he had to do was show the ring. I've got what was once the Pharaoh's ring that has his name on it. I've now got it. Esther 8.8, the king Ahasuerus is talking to Mordecai and to Esther and he says, Write a decree for the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For a letter which is written in the king's name and, with the, and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Do you catch that this morning? When it's in the king's name. When it's with the king's authority, no one can revoke it. Some of you have had things revoked from your life. It's because you took the ring off. And God wants to restore the ring this morning. Because the ring represents authority. So we have representations even of authority today. But what I want to focus on in this message is that the ring of the authority that the Father gave to the Son. The Father gives us authority. You need to catch that this morning. The Father gives us authority. So when we're rebuking the enemy from our family, it's not our authority, it's His authority. Jesus comes on the scene with authority. Look at this, Mark 1.22. Mark 1.22. And they were astonished at His teaching, for He taught them as one having authority. I'm laying a foundation. We're going somewhere this morning, church. <clears throat> and not as the scribes. You need to know something about authority, by the way. All authority is delegated. No one in and of themselves creates their own authority. All authority comes from some place. All authority has an origin. Romans 13 verse 1 says, All authority is from God. 
everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now, now let me clarify something this morning. This verse is probably one of the most out-of-context verses in our current culture and climate. Because we are to submit to governing authorities unless they require us to not submit to God. So let's be clear about that. Because this verse is thrown all over our culture today. Well, you need to just submit to governing authorities. Well, if they tell me not to preach the gospel, you better believe I'm a rebellious son. So all authority is delegated except God's authority. His authority derives from Himself. But all authority on earth is delegated. So it's all delegated. So the father in this parable in Luke 15 delegates authority back to the prodigal son. But as a son or a daughter, can we not walk in that authority? That's what we're called to. We are called to walk in that authority. So I want to share three things with you about authority, all right? The first one is humility. Number one, humility. In your worship guide, you should have some note sheets that that I I created for you this morning to help you because someone said last week, the notes move too fast. I can't get it all written down. So I gave you the headings, okay? The quickest way you'll lose authority is to walk in pride. Because it's not your authority, it's His authority. We've got to catch that. Because so often, especially in our current charismatic culture, there's this huge thing about your title and your gift and your call, and, and it's all about me, 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 me. Well, you wouldn't have authority if it weren't for Him. So all of it comes from Him. I don't speak on my own authority. I speak on His authority. This is my authority. It's here. And I think too often we forget that it's His authority. And that's why this gets taken out of context. And that's why we have all sorts of things that happen and crazy theologies that are formed is because we forget that it's His authority. So Jesus showed up with humility. Luke 9.1 says he called his disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Now, many people will say, yes, he gave the 12 apostles, disciples or apostles, we call them. He gave the 12 apostles authority. So, so they were the only ones who could work in miracles. That's what people teach today. Well, it was just those original 12. That's Luke 9. But some don't realize what happened in Luke 10. They stop at Luke 9 and said, well, he gave the apostles authority. Well, in Luke 10, it says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Now, I want to tell you something about these 70 others. They weren't the greatest authoritative Christians in the world. They were baby Christians. They were fresh. But he gives them the same authority that he gave the 12 apostles. These baby Christians... And then they come back. Look at verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus doesn't respond. Wow, that's so neat. That's not his response there. I mean, just think how crazy that is to tell Jesus. Did you know that even the demons are subject in your name? And Jesus go, really? You got to be kidding me. That's not what his response. His response is, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So here's what he's saying. Listen, when Satan crossed my dad, he was out. 
This doesn't surprise me that they're going to bow to my name because I know who I am. I'm my father's son and I watched Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then watch what he says. And he said, behold, I give you all authority. Now remember, there's 70. Okay, this isn't just the 12 apostles. They're the 70. And I'm going to show you again in a minute how they're baby Christians. They're new believers, and I'll show it to you. He says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, that would represent demons, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. He's like, listen, all this stuff, that's great. I've given you all authority. But don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And you say, well, how do we know that we're believers? The next verse. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things. Now we're going to talk about these things. From the wise and the prudent, watch, and revealed them to babes. So, so these were fresh. They were hot off the press, just newly following him. And he says, you've revealed this to babes. He says, thank you, Lord, that you've revealed this to just baby Christians. But you've hidden it from these people who think they're smart. From the prideful, arrogant people, this is hidden. But the ones who are just babies who will walk in humility, they understand this, that they have authority in my name. I'll never forget one of the, the first conferences I ever preached early on in my life, I was 18. I'd been asked to come and preach this conference, and I thought I was something. And so we're, I'm ministering, and, and at the end of it, they said, well, there's a lady in the back who, who needs some ministry. And we, we put her back there, and I said, well, why'd you put her back there? The anointing's up here. Well, she's manifesting demons. I said, okay, well, I'll come back. I can cast these demons out. No issue. So I come in, and there's this, this lady who is probably a little bit shorter than, than Pastor Susanna. A little bit shorter and tiny. Like, just, I mean, looks skin and bone. She looks sickly. And she's sitting there in this chair, and there's these two huge guys, and she picks them up and throws them across the room. I'm going, we're going to take care of this. So I come over, and I'm cast, commanding demons to go. And she's laughing. And I'm praying and I'm shakabarabasa in the name of Jesus. Get me my Bible. You know, all the, the things that I. And there's this little intercessor sitting over in the corner. Little tiny lady. And I'm ministering. I'm going to get this demon out. Nothing's happening. This little lady, probably 80 years old, gets up, walks over and says, You be quiet in Jesus' name and come out. Boom. Lady's delivered. Here I am, the man of power for the hour. What did she have that I didn't? She had authority. She had authority. She didn't need to get all, all crazy and, and, and do all these things and try all these methods. She just had authority. She had something that she developed. Here I was thinking that I was something. I had pride. I mean, we had just seen miracles happen. I had just prophesied. We had just seen all this great move of God. So I'm going to come in and get this woman delivered. Nothing happened. Why did I lose my authority in that moment? Because I had pride. Pride will steal your authority quicker than anything. That's why humility is so much key. She had authority because she walked in humility.
I had no authority because I was walking in pride. So number one is humility. Here's number two, faith. Matthew 8, 5. Now when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. Century, you know, is, is the word hundred, cent. So, so that's that number hundred. And, and cent is a Roman soldier over a hundred men. So when it, it's centurion, he, he was a man who was in authority over a hundred men. That's what that means there. So the centurion came and said, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now, I love how words will jump at you from the Bible. And I want this one to jump out at you because we're going to come back to it. Watch what he says in verse nine. For I also remember that word also. I'm an English teacher. I love this stuff. I love grammar. I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to those followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. In other words, not even among my people. This is a Roman. It's not even a Jewish person, and he's got great faith. Why did he have great faith? Because he understood authority. He said, I also. Here's what is amazing. Jesus says, I'll come and heal your servant. And he said, no, you don't need to. Just speak the word. Because I also am under authority. And I have those under me. Here's what he's saying. I recognize your position. He's saying to Jesus, I recognize who you are. I've caught a revelation. It's like when Jesus said, to his disciples, who do men say that, I, say that I am? You are the Christ. This man is saying in this moment, I recognize who you are. And because I recognize that you are under an authority, that you have authority, I also am a man under authority. And just like you, Jesus, I'm under authority. So I have authority because I'm under authority. And he had faith because he understood that. Now, this is what the Lord showed me something about faith this week. I know faith is the word belief. It's the same word many, many times in Scripture. Many, many times it'll be translated faith, and the same word will be translated belief somewhere else. Put your faith in Christ. Believe in Christ. Same thing. Faith is what you believe. In 2019, some of you know where, I mean, I, I keep seeing in my memories on Facebook a season of time where Anna was fighting for her life. I mean, it was, it was awful, y'all. The stress, the... The, the weight of that season was so intense in and out of the hospital. And, and I'm struggling, y'all. I'm, I'm fighting because I'm like, my wife's going to die. We have a new baby. I've got two other kids. I, God, I don't know what's going to happen here. Her heart rate's 150, 24 hours a day. Her heart, if, if the, her lungs don't kill her, she'll have a heart attack. I mean, these were things the doctors were saying to me. The first night we took her in, the doctor came out to me and he said, Sir, I don't have an answer for your wife. But what I would suggest you do is you call a funeral parlor because she's not going to come out of this hospital. We can't figure out what's causing her lungs to fill with fluid. And if, if her lungs don't kill her, she'll have a heart attack because her heart rate's so high and we can't give her anything for that because anything we give her will cause her lungs to fail. I mean, it was, it was intense and this was back and forth. And then we get told to go to Houston and there's a specialist down there who, who will be able to fix the issue. That man never showed up to her ICU room. 
this specialist who I talked on the phone, and he said, I will be there to greet her when she arrives by ambulance. Never showed up. They did two, two treatments for her there. The second one almost killed her. They, Anna's a type 1 diabetic. We're believing for healing from that as well. They never gave her insulin. Her blood sugar was up to 500, 600. If her heart didn't kill her and her lungs didn't kill her, she would have gone into a diabetic coma. I mean, I am wrestling. And the nurses aren't doing anything. They're doing nothing. And I'm wrestling and I'm walking into the hospital one night. And, and I'm saying to myself, why am I not able to cover my wife? Why, why is nothing happening here? What is it? Is there an open door in my life? Is, what, what is going on? Have I sinned? Is this my fault? You know, all those questions that come. And I said, Lord, why all this warfare? And the Lord said something to me in that moment. He said, because we're winning. And I went, no, we're not. We are not winning. Nothing about this situation looks like we're winning. And so I kept saying, Lord, well, what's the warfare? What's the open door in my life? Now, listen to me. Remember, faith is what you believe. It's not what you say. We have been so taught in our word of faith, charismatic culture, you just got to speak the right word. Well, you can say the right thing all day long and still not believe it. I can say I'm a millionaire all day long and my bank account still hasn't changed. Because faith is what you believe. It's not what you say. We, we, we miss it when, we, when we, we get into this place of thinking, oh, if I just continue to say it. No, it's something you believe. Now, I will say that what we say is important. Because if all you do is go around and confess negative things and, well, I'm just going to die and the Lord's not going to heal me. and all, Saying what we say can change what we believe. So the words of our mouth are important. But I think we, we've got to get to the reality that if we're just continuing to say it for years but we still don't believe it, there's a disconnect. And so I, I said to the Lord, what is going on? And he said, you've believed two lies. One is you started believing this was just normal. That we're just going to have sickness all the time. Even, even this week, for the past five weeks, our kids have been battling sickness. And then Anna battled sickness. And then, I mean, it's just been this back and forth of, are we ever going to get past this? And I, I started to believe, well, maybe it's just normal. Maybe this is just normal. He said, you start believing it's normal, so that's one lie. The second lie, even though you knew it was warfare, you were believing a lie because you didn't quite understand warfare, son. I'm saying, okay, Lord. So please hear me, this is so good. He said, yes, it's normal for the enemy to war against my children, but it's not normal for my children to lose. You need to catch that this morning. It is normal to go through warfare. It is not normal for his children to lose. And he started taking me through the Bible. Just a few things. He said, yes, the Egyptian army followed the Israelites, but they also drowned. Yes, Daniel got thrown into the lion's den, but I shut the mouths of the lions. Yes, the children of Israel went into the fiery furnace, but they came out and their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. All through Scripture, yes, there's warfare, but we win. You got to catch that. We win. 
The shield of faith, what you believe, quenches every flaming arrow of the enemy. Every flaming arrow of the enemy. So what did we do back then in 2019? We mobilized the world to pray. 52 nations prayed for my wife for about 12 weeks. 52 nations. There was one post that was shared 179 times. I mean, the world was praying. And I'm telling you, yes, warfare is normal, but losing is not normal. You can't believe that. Are you hearing me? So here I am as a pastor, and yet I'm still learning. But I believed something, so I lost my faith because I was believing the wrong thing. So that second thing that we've talked about is faith. But here's the third thing, obedience. This is how you walk in authority. You can believe you have authority and not walk in it. So you can be humble, you can believe, but unless you obey, you can't walk in authority. Matthew 21, 23. Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? I love this. I love Jesus. He's such a good guy. He said, I will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I will tell you by what authority I do these things. He's like, okay, okay, I see what you're doing. Let me ask you a question. And if you can answer my question, I'll give you my answer. If you don't, everyone will know you're pretty dumb. He says, the baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves saying, well, if we say it's from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. And he said to them, well, then I'm not going to answer you either. (laughs) Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Because if you don't have that basic revelation, you're not going to catch my revelation. Now, here's the thing I want to bring out. It's that there's like this paragraph there in the Bible, but that's actually not where the conversation ended. Because if you look at verse 28, but what do you think? And then he tells a story. They said, by what authority do you do these things? Who gave you this authority? So he makes a point and then he says to them, but what do you think? Where do you think I got this authority? Let me tell you how I got this authority. You follow me? You can't stop there. You got to keep reading. All right, but watch verse 28. But what do you think? A man had two sons. He said to the first and said, son, go to work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went or repented and went. And then he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered, said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two, watch this phrase, did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots, prostitutes, enter the kingdom of God before you. It's pretty intense, y'all. Now he's making a couple of points. One, he's saying, you said you would obey the father, but you didn't. They said they wouldn't, but they are. Because I've come now and they're listening to me, they're receiving me, so they're going to go to heaven before you. And remember, I love grammar. So before you. He's just clarifying his, sen- his sentence. He's saying they're going to go to heaven. Prostitutes, they're going to go to heaven. Why? Because they regretted it and then they started following God. They repented and started following God. They said, where did you get this authority? Who gave you this authority? Here's what he said. You know how I got this authority? By doing the will of the Father. My authority comes because I obeyed. I got it from the Father. 
What do you think? Where do you think I got? I'll tell you a story. One guy didn't do what his father said. The other did. I'm just telling you that even as a believer, even as a believer, you can have a ring of authority, but you can walk in pride and have no authority. Or you can believe a lie and you'll lose your authority. Or you can walk in disobedience and rebellion and you lose your authority. Are you following all of this? We have got to be humble. We've got to have faith and we've got to obey. Because here's the thing. You might be saying and showing everyone on the outside that thinks you're a good Christian, but you're not. Here's the problem. When you just look but don't live, you've opened the door to the enemy in your life. Doesn't matter what your age is. At some point, we begin making our own decisions. At some point, we begin doing what we think we should do. And even if you don't tell your parents, but if you start making your own decisions and you start choosing to walk away from God, you're going to suffer consequences. That's just the reality. But I want to say to you this morning, you're a daughter of the Most High. You're a son of the living God. We are adopted into the family of God. And God has given us authority over the enemy. As I close this morning, we don't have to walk in bondage. We can walk in freedom. But it's when we exercise the authority that God's given us and He's given to us. I want to emphasize this again as a gift. We're not hired servants. We don't earn the favor of God. We receive it freely. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. This morning, I have a gift for you. I want to give you a ring. Now, it's probably not going to fit anyone in this room. But it's a good token as a reminder that He's given us a ring of authority. He's restored us. All we need to do is walk in humility, have faith, and obey. The greatest miracles I've ever seen were simply when I obeyed. Simply when I obeyed. I was in Walmart a while back. I hate going to Walmart, y'all. If I could avoid Walmart, I would. But they had something I needed and I was coming down this aisle and heard someone scream and when I came around the aisle, there was a woman in her, her motorized cart fallen back, blue in the face. And her sister, her daughter was standing there screaming, no, no, no. And I said, what's her name? And honestly, I can't remember her name. Anna's the one who knows all the details. She's the one that keeps track of all of it. She told me her name. And I just slapped her in the chest. And I said her name. I said, come alive in Jesus' name. And she goes, I was going to go to Kroger that day. But the Lord had said, go to Walmart. Why do I need to go to Walmart? I hate going to Walmart. I love Kroger. But I obeyed. She got raised from the dead. When we obey, authority is released. You can't be obedient and be prideful. You simply can't. God wants to put a ring on it this morning. He wants to give you a ring, remind you of your authority, remind you of your identity. You're a son. You're not a servant. So this morning, we're going to do it this way. If you want a ring this morning, you, you need a reminder, you need a token. Why don't you just come? I'm going to just release the spirit of sonship over you this morning. Put a ring in your hand. 
you've never made Christ your Lord, and you can begin to come. If you've never made Christ your Lord this morning, you're in this room. You're saying, I need a Savior. I need the Lord. I want to give you that opportunity. Three things that you've got to do to make Jesus your Lord this morning. First thing, you've got to believe. You've got to believe that He was the Son of God, that He died on a cross, and He was resurrected. Second thing you've got to do is confess. You've got to confess those things that have separated you. And then you've got to repent. When we repent, we're changing our thinking. I'm not going to live the way I used to live. If that's you this morning. You've never made a decision for Christ. You've never believed. You've never confessed. You've never repented. I want to lead you in that. If that's you this morning. I want you to just lift your hand. Maybe you're watching my live stream as well. We're going to pray together this morning, church. Father, I thank you for my sister this morning. Let's pray together. Jesus, this morning, I, I repent and I confess my need for you. I believe you are the Son of God. You died for me and you rose from the dead. Today, I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, Follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.us.